The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, beautiful people. This is www.flashblackradio.com. I am Da Vinci Parks, aka Lee Bennett III. And this is yet another installment of the I Am series on Flash Black Radio. Essentially, what the I Am series is, if you're new to the channel, new to the this particular track, uh, it's, it's essentially an opportunity to talk with dope people. It's, you know, we don't have to like you know put a whole bunch on it. It's uh, whatever walk of life you might be in or whatever is an opportunity to see things from a different perspective, learn some things, be able to affirm like yeah, I, I feel that way too. Whatever it is, but it's an opportunity for me to just have an excuse to talk to dope people. So, without any further ado, somebody I've had uh, on my list of people to talk to for quite some time. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna overintroduce this time, uh, but what I will say is that she is an educator, CEO of It's Writ. She's an author, a wordsmith, and just an overall lover of language and hip hop, and um, soon to be my best friend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I would like to introduce you to the one, the only, Ms. Tiana Bruce. Thank you for that intro. I feel like I got a lot to live up to, man. That's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. But uh yeah, I'm 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 truly ecstatic for you to be here. Um so I I honestly, this is the weird part. So I don't know where to start. So just a little bit of background for the listeners. I met you last year. Mm-hmm. Uh we know people uh, uh, we, we basically have, uh, similar friends. So we, we just happen to our, our friendship circles happen to interconnect one night during a poker party. And, yep. uh, yeah, she, she became the, the celebrity dealer slash <laughs> slash joker <laughs> in, in the poker party and had us in stitches for half the night. Uh, so that was super cool. Um, and then after that, I started to, okay, like, okay, she's into, she's into poetry. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm into that as well. And started to, you know, learn a little more about you. And then you dropped this book. The book is called Newly Untitled. And we're going to get into the title of Newly Untitled. Uh, but the book is called New- Newly Untitled. Now, I don't talk about the fact that uh, I I'm a a, a poet uh, on this on this podcast. Like there are many people if they've listened to most or all the episodes, and there might be some people out there have done that. Um, I don't talk about that aspect of what I do because it's it, that's a different that's a different thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a poet. I have. Uh, produce some some literary works when i tell you looking at your book and going through it i was like man shit i wasn't doing it right like that's but i don't understand it no 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 when i say when i say it was just a just 
like like we're going to get to the content of it, but I'm just talking about how it was put together because I personally am somebody every book I've done has a theme to it. And like the theme, sometimes the themes kind of like the things that get uh, thrown into the theme or by accident. Like when I did my first chat book way back when um, the mm-hmm. table contents was kind of like a cluster. You know what? But uh, mm-hmm. well, if you ever watch a good place, it's a cluster fork. Um, cluster fork. Yeah. <laughs> so and but it turned out to like, you know, match what I was trying to do with the theme. Like, oh, I'm going to stick with that. And it became like a little, 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 little Easter egg type thing. So I try to have themes, and the, I, I would say the book that was probably closest to how you did your layout, just wait, not nearly as well done, would be my second book, because uh, I incorporated artwork and fo- photography and stuff like that in it. But when I tell you your book, it just gave so many different layers of who you are in so many subtle ways. And I was like, yeah, man, this is. This is dope. You know what I'm saying? I was just looking at it. I was like, yeah, this is this is this is how you should this is how you should do it. Now mind you, I've done some myself. I'm like, but nah, this is how you should do it. This is this is it right here. So like how like this being your first shot and doing it, like how did you how did you cause I like like the way that I've done books, the way that you've done books, is still, mm-hmm. I would say, and I'm not trying to say this to be arrogant or whatever, I've seen a lot of independent works or whatever, because I know a lot of poets. Uh, mm-hmm. I would still say that my books, the way they're done, look better than most people's books, at least the, the last couple. You know what I'm saying? But your book, to me, I will say it looks better than mine, just, just off, off the rip. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to say that. How did you get to this on your first shot? Like Because you know, if you look at the Sonia Sanchez or the Nikki Giovannis or our more contemporary, maybe like Jessica Kerr Moore or Saul Williams, they're still mm-hmm. not doing it like your book was so like how did you arrive at this design aesthetic to like coincide with your words that's actually a good question first of all thank you for the compliment um because i i I have a couple of your books actually because of our mutual circle Mm -hmm. and I, i would have to agree you know you got great stuff going on in your books and knowing that you cover to cover do it i i i take my hat off to you. So it's, it's quite a compliment coming from you. Um, let's see. So design wise, it's interesting. Um, cause I, I didn't think anybody was really going to pay attention to the nuances of the book. Um, a lot of people, um, they see poetry as something that's unapproachable. Like, or in, you know, I can't access this. It's going to be too deep or sometimes too shallow. And mm. some, you know, it's, it's going to be it's ethereal. It's something. Yeah, it's not, not going to be able to grab it. So I think the, the thing that really grounded the design and the, the sort of flow of the book was the fact that I chose the cover one night when I was actually standing outside of Busboys in Highsville. Mm-hmm. I had performed... And it was something about the energy that night. I was talking to my graphic designer who helps me with my website. She just happened to be in the audience. She came for some energy that night. And I was standing in the parking lot and I took a picture of my shoes. My blue and white dunks are my favorite shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, they just make me feel as grounded as I want people to feel. And as in as good company as I feel in them, I wanted people to feel that with my book. I just took a picture of them. Mm-hmm. And I started playing with the picture and I sent her a text. 
my, my graphic designer, probably about one, two o'clock in the morning. I was like, yo, whenever this book gets done, I think this is going to be the cover of the book. That's literally how it started. Mm-hmm. From looking at those shoes, like every time I look at them I, and feel so comfortable being myself, mm-hmm. when I put together the table of contents, I thought about all the different parts of me that needed to be um, expressed and all of the different pictures that I had taken to feel a move from all my travels. Mm-hmm. And when I set it up, it didn't come out this way at first. Like when I first was doing it, I just had all the poems, you know, as I was compiling them, pulling them together just in order. But then I started to look at thematically where they were and then what I called them. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, the ones that I felt like were just the pieces, the pieces of me that were growing, changing, and some of the portions of that first section called pieces were some of the oldest poems I have written. Mm-hmm. And they were the first ones to go there. It went untitled. But mm-hmm. when I started to dig into the other part of me, just the little nuances of me that I felt were very es- esoteric and only certain people got, mm-hmm. that's when I started to stack things up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I just kind of let it, I kind of let it lead me. I played around with this for a while. I knew that um, the lyrics to go section was going to be the end because for me, hip hop is the end of it all. Mm-hmm. Like anybody who knows me knows I'm in hip hop. They don't know I do anything else. Mm-hmm. They don't know I'm a teacher. They know that usually when the world is open, they see me on U Street all night, no drinks, drunk off the music, still got more when it closes. They know that about me. So I knew that was going to be in the end and I knew the pieces were going to be at the the front mm-hmm. the middle part was is the middle because it was actually the hardest part mm. a lot of those those three sections in there were new things it was experimental poetry and it was um the stuff that uh i had to be bold enough to say like particularly that blessed assurance section um i'm sure if anybody in my family really read it they would find it really irreverent but um I think that was important for me. That had to be the meat in my poetry sandwich Mm -hmm. because a lot of that went into making me. Mm -hmm. A lot of the differences that I see with organized religion, the way people, it went into making me. So I literally just, I fussed with this. I'm telling you, Lee, I fussed with my table of contents. I fussed with it. It It was like, do I put this in there? Do I don't? Do I not? Do I make it so that people can understand it? quote unquote, mm-hmm. or do I put it out there and maybe have a conversation with people about it? So I think a lot of that fight, a lot of that uh, organization was really me becoming comfortable with just putting the ins and outs of me on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Start with the pieces, end with the hip hop, figure out what all that other stuff in the middle is, that experimental part, that part you're ashamed of, that part that you tried to have ingrained in you to get you good, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just did that. I think, um, some of some of it was also because of the pictures that I wanted to add. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first took it to get the help with publishing, um, I had all these pictures and uh, the sections that spoke to me were based on the pictures that spoke to me. So I named it based on that. And that's kind of how I did it. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I answered it. I hope I answered it clear enough, but like, Nobody has ever asked me about my org- the organization before. Nobody. Nah, see, when I look at now, nah, look, <laughs> look, let me tell you. And again, I, I think it's one of those things like 
this is the fun of being an artist because it ain't always fun being an artist. Um, I, 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 I think what people who are not artists don't necessarily get a lot of the times, maybe if you're a super fan and you really follow somebody and it becomes like over time or through some type of like just connection, you kind of get it. But one of the things about being an artist is you have to be super sensitive to like, you know, pick up on different wavelengths. And a lot of time that's ingrained in who you are. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm checking. And there are things that I will pick up on that say like, uh, I have other poet friends and I'm saying, so there are things that I'll pick up on. Uh, my, my boy, Drew, uh, Drew Anderson is an incredible writer, uh, re really good performer. He's like a staple on like, you know, the DC poetry scene. Uh, yeah, Mamba Ringo, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, he would look at things at your, in your book and he will find completely different things that I would find. But that's the, the fun of being an artist in terms of like, you know, okay, like you did it like this. Oh, well, I, I see this right here. So for me, full disclosure, this week, I've been, I've been reading your book for a while. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm not finished is because I don't want to read something and just blow through it without getting the, it's not like reading a novel. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like when you're writing poetry, you're, 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 you're reading a revelation. Oftentimes, sometimes like, you know, people write like really flowery stuff and like, you know, if the wind was this way and da, 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 it would blow you closer to me and so forth. And that's great. I ain't mad at that because we need all these, these different types of flavors. I'm not mad at that. Mm -hmm. But, it became evident from the first poem, like, oh wow, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pace myself with this. Like, this is like not, and I'm not trying to gas you. I'm being, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being serious here. I trust. I have that. to, I have to, I have to, I have to pace myself in reading this because going too fast, I'm gonna miss some things. There's some things. There are a couple times I read things like, yo, that was dope, but I don't know why I was dope. <laughs> there are a couple things it's like it's like there's something else behind this that I don't understand, and either I need to read it a couple more times and maybe I'll gain deeper understanding, or I need to talk with her about this, and then maybe I'll understand because I know there's some things that like you know when you write things it's just for you, some things is just for the the other person in the situation that you're writing about that they gonna know what you're talking about. The reader is not always along for the ride, and sure. I get that. Uh, so I'm personally, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm on the parts of speech. So it's like how you play with the parts of speech. I just got through that. Um, so I'm in the, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on lyrics to go and I'm really excited to get to that part. And I wanted to, I wanted to like, you know, start there because as a hip hop fan, like, okay, I was just leaping through and like, oh, I see this right here. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, she like that. Okay, cool, cool. Like, so I'm seeing these different, like, oh, okay. She's like for real into hip hop. Okay. Okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? I already knew that. You know what I'm saying? But it's just like, you know, one of those things. Yeah, all right, cool. Um, nah, I'm 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 I, I was I was peeping from the the like how you had everything organized and structured. Cause I, you know, I did a little quick flip through or whatever, look at the pictures and everything. Some pictures caught my eye more than others. I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. But I was like, okay, so are you a sneakerhead? Because I kind of, I kind of, I kind of got the feeling from you know, you know, I kind of just got that feeling that you're into sneakers. I am, but I'm a broke one. Yeah, you know I know, <laughs> I know that life. 
I know I that life. In my phone more than I got in my closet. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, I know um, that life. But definitely that sneakers have always been, um, and I, it seems like such a trite thing, you know, because I think that a lot of times, specifically for women, a lot of people think you're just going to grow, grow up and grow out of the sneakers and embody the heels. But never happened to me. I'm just, I'm not that way. I love sneakers. Love how they give me all of the, the flexibility and the, the grounding I need. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever been a time I have not performed when I used to get up and do it in sneakers. Mm-hmm. I don't think there has been a time. Um, and I, I think it's also because uh, I can't remember the name of that comedian, but like when I was teaching, when I first started teaching, my shoes were the way that I actually connected with my kids. I started teaching. I was 21 years old. I look like a little kid. You know, you try to look as older as you can, but I just don't have that that quality about myself. So one day I came in there in my work pants and I had on these really interesting Argyle socks <laughs> and these really fresh. I think they were earthquake dunks I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Low top earthquake dunks, the ones that was like periwinkle. And like, I love those shoes. And I walked in and they looked at me and they were like, and that's when I noticed, you know, they may not pay attention to nothing in English, but if I could at least wear these shoes, they will look at me. I don't, when people are walking by, they'll think they're attentive. They're not. They're trying to figure out how she walked in here with these big words that we don't care about, these stories we don't want to read. And somehow I want those sneakers as well. That was literally how I hooked my kids because they paid attention to that. And that's when I realized authenticity is more important than anything. Hmm. You just got to step up and be yourself. Mm-hmm. So that that also kind of went into the whole design of the book. I didn't want it to look like a normal poetry, but whatever it is, a normal poetry book looks like. And I don't mean that from like, you know, indie artists. We see that looking all different types of ways. But I wanted it to be a book that, first of all, had my favorite color. Blue is my favorite color. A mm-hmm. lot of people think blue is a blue is a mood. Mm-hmm. But it's not always the mood that people think it is. It's not really melancholy. They have so many different shades of blue. And that blue is royal. Same color of my dunks. <laughs> and I felt like wearing those shoes. So I wanted to make sure I had royal blue on the cover. The texture of the book is meant so that when you touch it, you leave an imprint on it. Because I'm hoping that I imprint on you as well. So a lot of people, when they first got it, they were like, when I touch the book, I mess it up. You can't mess it up. If you keep opening that book and you keep touching that book, your fingerprints gets on that book. So that's me and you. That's us interacting. Mm-hmm. Some That might be the closest conversation that we have. If you're not, I notice a lot of people are not brave enough to say like what you said. They want to ask me about stuff. And sometimes I just open the floor. Mm-hmm. But I read the book and I had a question. Mm-hmm. Ask the question. I don't know if I should ask the question. Mm-hmm. I put it all out there. Mm-hmm. So that it could be a conversation. I don't make, mean for this to be like mysterious. Let's decode this. Mm-hmm. It's elements of, of my experience that I know other people have had. And maybe they didn't see the poetry in it. Mm-hmm. And you're right about that whole sensitivity. I think sometimes it's hard for me to accept that that sensitivity is what brings forth a lot of artistry because it's a cold, cruel world out here. You can't be walking out here with your heart all ex- your artist heart all exposed trying to take in stuff so you can give it out. I'm telling you because the world will break it. And I've been there several so many times over. Yes. <laughs> several times over. The world is not yeah, the world. 
Undefeated. <laughs> it's like the it internet. Is. <laughs> it is. Undefeated. You can't, you can't not be injured. And I think this book is making it a lot. It's only about a year old. So still kind of a newborn. Well, it's a toddler now. So it's, I'm still trying to give it its own leg so it can walk its own walk. But in having conversations about it, I'm still growing through it. I'm still growing through it. There's some stuff I read and I'm like, damn, I'm not that anymore. I'm so glad I'm not that anymore. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe I was brave enough to just put that out there like that. Mm -hmm. Know what the ill part's going to be for you? No, please tell me. <laughs> like, there could be a lot of things. But one of the ill parts is going to be for you. Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this is not your last book of poetry. I'm hoping that this there's some other like literary works, you know, on the horizon. And we'll, we'll, I'll ask you that later. You don't have to answer that right now. But what I'm saying, what's gonna be, what's <laughs> gonna be ill for you? It's gonna be like one of those things, like wow, when you go back to that book because you feel nostalgic. Something just like leads you, like when you're like on a stage somewhere, you're reading, you're sharing, or whatever. You got some other work already that's fresh, whatever. It's like something leads you to go back to this book. Mm-hmm. And you just happen to like, and you find a piece that you forgot about, and you read it because you've forgotten about it, like your reader would read it, and it hits you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh damn! Like, wow! I gotta go back. <laughs> I gotta yeah. go back to my old stuff. There's been a couple times I've, I've I've read my stuff before. Like, like this is obviously mine because it's in my book, but. <laughs> I don't remember this. And most of the times right. I can remember when I write, I can remember where I was, what I was feeling, what I was going through most of the time. And like mm-hmm. it was about somebody, most of the time I know who it was about. Um, I've only, I haven't had like a great amount of muses, but you know, so like it's just easier <laughs> by, but it's one of those things that sometimes you just go back and read, it's like, wow, that was, mm, okay, I was, I was, I was in a, I was in a, a mode right there. So I'm 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 looking forward when you when you get to that point, you, you got like another couple of years probably. But when you get to I'm that point, to that huh? I said I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, uh, yo, like you got to hit me up. Like hey, like I, I, yeah, because that that's what it, I'm trying to tell you. It's like it's like when you find out that hey, I might actually be dope. I'm not, and I don't I don't talk about myself in that way. But it's just like sometimes, just like I go back, I know that when I look at my stuff, or whatever. There's sometimes I'm touching greatness. There, there's sometimes like okay, I don't look at myself like I'm the greatest poet that ever lived. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I'm like you know God's gift gift to like poetry, anything like that. But mm-hmm. I know that when I'm when I'm in my zone, I'm in my bag. I'm a bad boy when I when I when it gets down to it. But that's not all the time. Sometimes I've written some I've written some terrible shit. <laughs> like wow, like this this never needs to see the light of day, and it doesn't. <laughs> and it doesn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but for the most part, man, it's like uh, I'm, yeah, down to the damn table of contents, and then we get into the actual words. You've you've got, you've got like, and there's another reason why I had to pace myself. You've got some. Some heartbreak that kind of resonates with me. Um, you got some other heartbreak. It's like you, 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 the way you write things or whatever. It's just, just so like it's just like it, when it when it's done, it's just you just kind of left like damn. Like you just gotta gotta sit with it for a second. So you've written some things in the early part of your book about about family, about like you mm-hmm. know um, about your brother, 
uh, about your about your father. He had some bars about your father. I was like, shit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, 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 I normally like when I'm doing interviews, I don't normally use this much profanity. That's only normally on like you know, like the group podcast. But like, yo, when I tell you, when you had some bar. I said, wow, that that. Oh goodness gracious! If I if I read that and that was about me, I'm like I had to clutch my pearls, like. Right. And it was is it's not it was it's like the bad part about not not even the bad part of it, but the wild part about it is just there's I don't get any maliciousness in any of your poetry. I'm just getting just honest, just like this is how I feel, and it's just like it, it just you just lay it out. And I, I think, and that, and that's the, you know, so like when you're able to like capture that, and then like roll that into a theme, and like just present that or whatever, it's like, um, the other thing is, and this is what I get sometimes, because like, I also before I was like doing poetry, I was also doing um a blog for a long time, a lot of, a lot of personal stuff in my blog, and people are like, mm-hmm. how do you put all that out there? Do you really give any thought to that? Do you like, do you give any thought to like, you know, cause you, you like there, it doesn't seem like there's any part of yourself. Like it might be like in the language, how it's coded, but it doesn't seem like you're hiding anything of yourself. Does it, does that feel like scary at all to like put that much of yourself out there? Cause I don't really think about it when I do it. It's I, scary. Yeah. Yes. But like, what else are you supposed to do? Like you, you, some of these, some of these poems written were written when I was in my twenties and there was some stuff that I experienced that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I think I didn't talk about it as much because I felt like, well, for one thing, you know, separate this into parts when you're dealing with hurt of the romantic kind and you really tease it apart you realize that part of that is connected to the trauma you don't talk about so i'll give you an example uh yeah you're right i wrote some stuff about my my father my biological father um and i kept meeting him in certain people in my 20s it was like every partner had a piece of him Mm. If I didn't say that out loud, put that out there, it was almost like I broke the curse. Because sometimes when you put some space between what you're experiencing and how um, protective you are over what people will think about you or what hell, what you think about you mm-hmm. because you allowed yourself, quote unquote, to go through it and everything. And Jesus somehow don't work to help you get to sleep for two years. You realize that maybe if I put this word out there, because words, just like money, all of it is energy. Maybe some of that will be dispersed. Somebody can feel like they're not by themselves and it'll open up a greater conversation of why we keep letting things like this happen. And sometimes we're blaming the wrong people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's kind of when it became something I had to do. Lee, Like you just got to do it. Scared. I am scared to do it, but I just do it scared. I've been scared to do a whole bunch of stuff that I just did anyway. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to something that could actually give me a return on energy that I can't get elsewhere, 
you know, a return in this whole creative or collective artistry that I've been wanting to be a part of since I was like 12, 13 years old. I'm just going to have to do it scared. And at the very least, conversations like this can happen, you know, um, and some people can feel like they're in company just being themselves. Like we're, we're, I think a lot of times, specifically in this day, it seems to be a movement of people, um, you know, what's the best way to say it? Made to feel like their emotions are uh, crippling. You get it on the memes and everything. You get them, I ain't soft, I don't fold, I don't this, something. There are times you are soft. There are times you do fold. There's sometimes you don't have 10 toes down or whatever the hell the kids are saying these days about staying firm and loyal and everything else. There's sometimes life is going to knock you down, but it's meant to do that. And I think it, I had to get to a space when I started writing two years ago where I was just ready to go, okay, so you're going to keep doing what you're doing, not put it out there, go up and do open mics once a week and maybe feel like there's a certain level of energy that you're still sitting with or you're going to be brave. Do your open mics. Put this stuff on paper. Push it away from you. Pull it close to you. Edit it. Send it out there. Ask if somebody is going to publish it. Do whatever you're going to do and just be brave enough when it's done to hold up a book and go, OK, so this is me right now. What I know it could be you too. Why don't we talk about it? And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I haven't had my mother ask me about anything in it yet. That's going to be the ultimate test. Mm. If she goes, can we talk about page two? I'm going to die. That's all. <laughs> has, has she read any of it yet? Um, I, so I don't know. Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, uh, my mother and I and my artistry have a real interesting relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you know how you know you, you you have a kid or you think about having a kid and you go, I'm gonna be a great parent. And then you have the kid, somebody has the kid, you'd be like, but I didn't, but this kid is different. Like I don't know what to do. I didn't ask for this kid, I asked for you know an easier. <laughs> I mean, I want a, a normal kid. <laughs> um I think that has always that thing that that has always been in between us um, that we've had to build a bridge to kind of understand each other has always been that artistry. It has always she has always told me it's not what you say is how you say it. That's why I used to get in trouble. My mouth was the worst part. Smart <laughs> mouth didn't. It was always that. I never did anything else. Got straight A's in school, mm-hmm. but I had the smartest mouth. Like literally, she was just looking at me like, "Why did you have to say what you said just like that?" So that that's the flip side of what you get in the book. People are like, damn, why, why'd you have to say it like that? And she's like, why'd you have to say it like that? So I think in in me actually releasing it, I think that it's going to be something that she's going to have to work her way up to. Like, th- no, don't get me wrong. She's bought four copies. She sent people my way. My baby wrote a book. You know, mm-hmm. she's proud. Mm-hmm. But I some of it, well, if we were yeah. to sit and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we uh, it's the other part of you know being an artist, whatever. Because like you know, I, I I personally believe, and I I gather by the words that I've read from you that you also uh, agree with me on this particular thought. It, I believe that you owe it to yourself to be honest. Now there have been a few 
occasions where I have not been 100% that, it's extremely rare. To the point where I can think in my head, like, mm, didn't keep it quite 100 in this. I was a little bit in my feelings on this one, and that one wasn't. Mm. I, I, can, I can point those out, like, ah, this wasn't quite. But uh, <laughs> that, that, that rawness, that truth, it's not easy for family a lot of times. Oh no! No, because it, it, you're like holding up a mirror, and it's like, like, wait a minute, is that is that how I look to you? I'm like, uh, well, Playboy, look. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I hate to inform you, but mm, you know what I'm saying. Like, you know what I'm saying. And like the, the other way, you know, I think it makes it easier is that you know I don't try to in the process. There's no conscious thought or attempt to make myself look better as a result mm-hmm. you know like the whole point of when i'm writing i'm i'm like i'm trying to get to the root of whatever ugliness or beauty is in me in that moment and i'm trying to like there are things that are extremely painful to talk about extremely joyful to talk about whatever it is i'm trying to get to it and i'm not trying to you know sugarcoat it is i don't have the energy for the like you know all that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, a younger me would try to like you know like gloss it up and make it sound fly while I'm doing it, but at this point in time, I'm just like, oh, let's let's just talk about it. So like, you you said a couple things, and I'm 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 going to hold my disgust for a second. How long have Uh-oh. you been writing? Uh, I, the first time I wrote anything for real, I was in sixth or seventh grade. Okay, I thought you said you'd only write for two years. This project oh, no, was like two years. Writing. That's when I started to pull together the book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that says a lot right there too. Like when I did my fifth book, I was like, I knew what I wanted to do for the fifth book before I even before I even put out the fourth book. Before I put out the terminal, I already knew that my fifth book was going to be in search of her, and that's I. The one I got- and I was like, I think I'm gonna be done after that. I, apparently, I'm not. But, <laughs> but I was like, at the, at the time, I was like, I think I, I think that that'll be my last book of poetry. And so, like, I, I said, I just, I knew the theme that I wanted, and I was like, okay, until I have the material that matches the theme that I wanted, then I'm just not gonna do a book. And then one day, I just like, I need to do inventory because I feel like I've been sitting on this book for a while. And I started doing. I was like, oh wait, I have a piece. For, I have this. I have, I have a book. <laughs> like, let me just put this book out. Like, yeah. So it didn't take that long for me to do. Uh, that, yeah, it'll also get it'll 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 get easier as you do this too. That's that's the scary part for you, man. You're going. You're I hope first, so. If you, this is your first shot, it's gonna get easier. Oh gosh. <laughs> um. All right. So how how did you? Because you were you've been teaching until up until very recently. So were you teaching mm-hmm. that in that entire time from twenty one to? Oh, no, I had some breaks. Um, okay. How'd you get into it? Teaching? Yes. Um, here's the truth. I um, came home from college with an English degree, wanted to be a writer. My mom said, that's cool. You need insurance. You need to go out there and find a job. Okay. What you want me to do? You got to figure that out. You should try teaching. I don't want to be nobody's teacher. I've been telling people I didn't want to be a teacher since I was in the 10th grade. My 10th grade history teacher said, you're going to be a teacher one day. And I was like, love and respect you. 
I'm messing with these kids. <laughs> so when the charge came to get my own insurance, I went into an interview. Then my stepdad was also a teacher. So I went to interview at his school, which was a high school, because I knew I couldn't talk to anybody beneath ninth grade. It was already hard for me to talk to children when I was a children, a child, sorry. And I wasn't going to try then because that was just too much. Um, and the lady looked at me and she said, you're too young. You can't teach these kids anything. Thanks mm. for having a nice day. Wow. And I was like, well, wow. that was a lot. Like, I feel like you broke a whole lot of HR laws. Like, <laughs> 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 But okay. And while I was in there, there was a vice principal who left the interview and he went and called the principal at another school. And he said, my English department chair is going to let this great teacher. I'm listening to her talk. I think she'll be great for the kids. Just call her. I'm send you her information. I heard you need a position. Just call. I think she'll be great. And that principal called me. I went in and they gave me a task to teach Romeo and Juliet. Asked me how to teach Romeo and Juliet to ninth graders. And I wrote something. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember what I wrote, but I had organized it and I had no formal teaching training. And then I did the mock lesson and she was like, when can you start? Mm -hmm. And that was how it started. Like it wasn't like I was, you know, I knew that I wanted to go and I wanted to bring English in a very approachable, in a way that was meaningful for us back mm -hmm. to the culture. Mm -hmm. I just didn't think I wanted to be in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in the classroom and I think I had a total of in the school about 14 years. I spent 14 years, somebody's teacher, somebody's organizer helping with mediation. Um, and it was a really interesting time. And during that time, I always uh, was doing a lot with language. My favorite part of teaching English was teaching code switching as a survival and social skill to our kids. Mm. I think I helped them a lot by making them understand how accessible this high art literature with a capital L was, but also how bland it was and how rich our culture was. Mm -hmm. That was, that was what kept me in it. So um, break that see, down for me. What does that look like? Like, like how do you, how do you go in there and make, because we see movies about it. We've seen like, you know, you know, freedom writers or I was about to say, don't name those movies. I uh, we seen no Dead Poet Society. Come on now, we we come on now. We seen the movies. What's what's the joke with Danny DeVito? He was like the uh, he was like teaching the, like the army the army the army oh, folks yeah, whatever. Um, Renaissance man. Renaissance man. We seen mm -hmm. like although not English standard delivers kind of like the same principle with with math. We see mm -hmm. people come in and make it look fly, but you actually doing it though. So. How was that done? How did you do that? So I, I used hip hop a lot. Um, and that was really the grounding for a lot of things. So, for example, to teach, uh, what was it? To teach traditional narrative structure, I used Lupe Fiasco. So if you think about, this was actually one of my favorite lessons. I used Kick Push to show how it was a coming of age story that was a very complete story. We compared that to like, some of the hip hop they like today that wasn't a complete story because they used to always want to battle with me on the validity of some of the things that they like. They don't know no battle. They, they they didn't study it. And my mm -hmm. whole thing was, if you haven't studied your music and your language, you don't love it. 
if that was your partner, you would have to be able to know her or him, feed her or him, pour into her or him. Y'all ain't doing it. Y'all just telling me this cranks and this doesn't, and you don't even understand what that means. So I used Lupe Fiasco's ex example of kick push and showed how it was a, a very traditional story structure. It was a complete song. And from beginning and end, you saw a transformation or evolution of a young boy becoming a man and more confident. But all of those three verses had things in common. There was always something that was in charge of him. Um, I think in the first in the first verse, for example, it was his parents telling him he couldn't do it. In the second verse, it was what he thought was his his um it was the love that he thought was gonna hold him back. Like, well, I can't do this, but he found his equal. In the third verse, the only authority he had in his life was the law. And by that time, he didn't care because he found where he belonged. Mm -hmm. I would ask him to pick a song and see if they could do what I did with some of the music, and they never could. Interesting. They never could figure out that. And then, and that was also, oh, I loved using Andre 3000 just to talk about language. The power of vocabulary came all from him. I only used Outcast to talk about vocabulary. Even some of the the puns, the turns of wait phrase. A second, wait a second. Like, like, I'm sorry. Like, like, because oh shit. Oh wait a second. Wait, you only use Outcast? Like, first and I foremost, first and foremost, Outcast. Outcast is is high school for me when they came out. Mm -hmm. So me I too. literally, I literally uh, grew into in what I consider. I, I, I'm not sleeping on the like the 80s. But I would say like 88 or so, 87, 88 to like 98 was like the golden years for me in hip hop. Because like in that period of time, I think there are more classic albums that were dropped in that period of time than any other time combined. Mm -hmm. Like you talk about what the classic albums over the last 10 years, there's not that many in my, in my opinion. Now, maybe I can be educated, but... We can go into like the 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 artists that came out, like you know, like like all the different Wu members that came out, which is where I'm going with this. I'm just because we're gonna this is gonna be a side conversation. Like in terms of vocabulary, like I understand. What are you saying, what are you saying vocabulary is? Hmm. What? What? Because like? What? That's what. That's what I'm gonna have to ask you. Golden arms. They. He got it. Like just. He got it. They got the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I got you. They got. Words. Well, well, they got that, and they also that you also think E forty, E forty was okay. like he literally created his own language. But you know, like okay, I mean, I get like okay, all right, like let's let, let's go back. I'm sorry, go ahead. Outcast. Reason I use them. I know it is. That, that I'm just I was just like, but you said you would only use Outcast. I was yeah, like, only because they because the stories that they told mm -hmm. were always from two different perspectives. First and foremost, Big Boy and Dre had two different ways of looking at life. That mm. when they put them together, they mess. Yes. Which to me, which don't make sense. It does though. Like Isn't that it the do, but it don't. Though? Like if you if you think about from like AT aliens, and then mm -hmm. the or whatever, like their paths. Like why do these two dudes cool? Like why are they making music? You know what because I'm saying? It's out like like. You, it's yeah. our it's our black existence though. That is how our black existence gels. We all got like respectability politics out the way. You got who you are mm -hmm. and who they know you to be. Mm -hmm. It's always like that. Mm -hmm. And who they know you to be might be the thing that they accept or it may not. And I think the thing about Dre 
and Big Boy that always got me was that they appealed to different people, but they also crossed over into other audiences. I so feel those like people, that with UGK. Indeed, like Bunny what, what they, Boy. they call him Professor Bernard now. Bun B whole teaching at Rice University mm -hmm. and dropping it on them, so you can understand why society is the way it is. But you know, when Big Pimpin comes on, we still doing what we doing to what else he got to say. Mm -hmm. It's just it's like it works like that. It, it's it's kind of like the duality of our lives, and I use them because of that. Mm -hmm. Because it was a lot of stuff that Big Boy said. That even though it seemed like they could access it, because you know, let's say he's talking about some pimps and hoes and some sex and everything else, they still didn't even understand that level of it. Their stuff was still, still very low level. Big boy would have metaphors and analogies that was real southern. Slept but they on. had that just loved it. And yeah. they like the way you talk about it is not that. So you want your creativity? You got that. It doesn't, I don't care mm -hmm. that you're in high school. Talking about drugs you're not really selling. Come on, because some of them really wasn't, but they mm -hmm. was trying. Mm -hmm. You know, but you don't even make the game look good. You make it look like you're about to get arrested. You don't even know how to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Dre was together, they were storytellers. Mm -hmm. I needed my kids to be good storytellers. Mm -hmm. I needed them to have a stream of consciousness that made sense. So Outcast had a lot of songs that they could follow. Mm -hmm. When you really looked at a lot of those verses on paper, which I always did, lined them like poetry and showed them all of the societal implications, that's what got them. Because mm -hmm. they didn't realize how much you could really pack in a bar that said way more about yourself than what you thought you were going to say by just putting out something real basic there. Um, Let's see. Elevators. Uh-huh. In the morning, they heard a call from the other way. The nigga just came from. So the nigga was saying something, talking about, talking "Hey man, you remember me from school? Me from school? No, no, not no, really. But it gets smiling like a clown, facial expression looking silly. And they kept asking, me, "What kind of car you drive? I know you paid. I know you got bookable folks from all them songs you all done made." And I replied that I've been going through the same things that he has. True, I got more fans than the average man, but not enough loot to last me to end the week. I live by beat, like you to check to check. If you don't move your feet, then I don't eat. So we like neck to neck. Cause we done come a long way like them slimmer cigarettes from Virginia. This ain't gonna stop, so we're just gonna continue. Yeah, what? Yes. What? Yes. Dre was one of those rappers that you had to like rewind. Like, what did this dude just say? What? Quiet is kept, like, as much as we love Dre, and I think Dre is clearly one of the best to ever like put put pen in hand to to like to do hip hop consistently from like the time he came out. Mm-hmm. To whenever he decides to stop doing it. Big boy is so slept on. He is. It's one of those things. It's just like, you know, something like when you, a lot of times we have a group, you have that, that character that steps out. And like, you can't, like Andre can't help but stand out. Yep. But for my money, while in the I Choose You with Pimp C and Bun B and Outkast, while... You know, space spaceships don't come equipped with rear mirrors. <laughs> they dip and just squeak. look. Mm -hmm. I get that. Like it's incredibly well done. The cadence, all that stuff. What big boy dropped <laughs> for his verse on "I Choose You"? Man, let me tell you. Let me tell you. He, 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 he gave a lesson. He put a word out there. He did. Yeah, he put a word. And like it's like that's that's how he he writes. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? He's writing for very practical, like, you know, um, uh, Spodioti. 
And he was like, yeah, like, you know, it's just like, like smooth like a hot comb on nappy ass hair. And he's talking yeah. about like, yeah, but you can't, you can't get a job because you got cloudy piss. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he's so he's talking about always like, yeah, I'm talking about the streets and what's happening in them, but I'm also talking about the other side of, of this, right. of, of this, of this whole thing. So there's not just like, you know, you getting it from like, you know, no, you're getting like the full picture. That's and right. I think that's one of the things it's that kind of gets over. The streets are not the main character. There's mm -hmm. always a character in what he's talking about. That was one of the reasons I used him as well. As well, he had the thought of the street. People mm -hmm. think of the streets. I don't know some tough urban or country or red clay landscape where stuff just happens. Mm -hmm. Big Boy was always talking about the stuff that was happening on the inside while the stuff was happening on the outside. Mm -hmm. He's very much so cerebral like that. Mm -hmm. What you gonna do for real? Mm -hmm. Every time you see a drug dealer, it's not that he's just trying to sell drugs. I mean, but what you gonna do when you gotta? What did he say? Can't can't uh, handle can't gamble feeding uh, baby. Maybe on that, that dope, dope money might not always be you sufficient. Know, sufficient. <laughs> I mean, and it makes sense. And it all started with a, a neck. What a, her neck sweet smelling like? Uh, what was it? Game? What a play the games with extra syrup? Extra syrup you on it. From that, and then you got your typical baby. Most people think, of, especially the outsiders, look at our black experience and they see, and I often, I have feelings about it when people of other colors don our slang, talk about baby mama and all this other stuff mm -hmm. because it was low class mm -hmm. when it was just us doing it. Mm -hmm. That that baby and that baby mama still came from love and affection. Mm -hmm. It's not like it came from an accident. And when he talks about it, he talks about it top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And I love it. His verse on Miss Jackson, mm -hmm. ridiculously good. Mm -hmm. he, it was ridiculously good. And he gave you like an introspective look. I like, I just, I, that's why I use them all the time. Mm -hmm. They were real easy. Even when, um, on the Idlewild soundtrack, was a lot of songs that they had that were original, but Hollywood Divorce, when he added Lil Wayne and Snoop, mm -hmm. you even a difference. I feel like their energy was so contagious. You saw a different side of Lil Wayne. I used mm -hmm. to use Lil Wayne's verse from Hollywood Divorce because mm -hmm. so many of them, you know, they so young. They don't remember Hurricane Katrina. We lived through it. Mm -hmm. Like showing all the stuff that Lil Wayne was talking about, asking them, did they remember? Did you ever? Did you know that Bling actually did come from Wayne and the Hot Boys around two thousand? They was wearing nothing but white shirts and big old Chabot jeans, mm -hmm. and and they were like. They looking at me like, no, can't even fathom the history behind it. And therefore, how much emotion somebody could put into very little words. Mm -hmm. So I had to teach a curriculum. Mm -hmm. But this was also a part of it. Mm -hmm. And and I, I gave validity to it. I ended up, when I, my last year, is teaching a hip-hop class as well. But I taught hip-hop as literature. Did, did, how much pushback did you get? Because it, it seems like, like the... the from that, So for the listeners... Cause I, like I don't know what type of like poor sitting structure that was a couple seconds ago, but for the <laughs> listeners, uh, we also mirror each other in that we both taught out of college, so we have mm -hmm. that also in common. Uh, how how? And I I use hip hop and my graphic design like to connect with them as well. So like yeah, it's it's a very easy thing to do. Um, I my experience has been that. The education system that we have in this country is very antiquated and very slow and very uh, resistant to change. Mm -hmm. So did you receive pushback? Like, you want to bring hip-hop into literature? Like, you know, we're trying to teach these kids how to speak, and you want to teach them hip-hop? Did you, did you get that? 
I didn't get it because well, I was teaching at my alma mater, which is a predominantly black Catholic school up in Northeast. So they didn't really give me any pushback. They were happy that I was trying to bring and make English language, vocabulary, and things like that more accessible to the kids. So I didn't. But if I was in a public school, I know I would have. Respectability politics. Mm-hmm. You know, be our culture is only cool when it doesn't intimidate too many people. Mm-hmm. When it's not trying to interrupt stuff. I probably I would have never been able to do it in a public school. But mm-hmm. the school I was at, they were really open to me doing it. Really open. Okay. So my understanding is you're not teaching now. Nope. Are you open to teaching at some point in the future? Do you miss it? Open to teaching in the future, yes, but on my terms. Um, (laughs) And I miss, I always miss those children Mm -hmm. because the children were the realest part of every day. They came in with what they had. And sometimes they would tell me, I don't even have it today. And I like that because I feel like they were, when I was educating them, I wasn't trying to make them into something that they were not. Mm -hmm. Give them some game to push whatever they wanted to be out. Like whatever I give you with this knowledge, you know, you can do whatever you want with it. I don't have control over that. But I just want to show you how to think things through. And they made it doable. They made it doable. I still have some of the the, the, the children who are not children anymore. Uh, <laughs> the oldest the oldest kids I teach would be, I have ever taught, would have graduated in 2005. Mm-hmm. So that would make them what, 32? Mm-hmm. Mine a little bit older. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. my Because my, the wild part was so like, I I accepted my my teaching gig on on my birthday, so I I just turned twenty two. And my oldest student was eighteen, mm-hmm. and I was teaching tenth grade. Now, to be clear, that student was not unintelligent. He just didn't come to class. Yep. He came. He would like come to school sometimes or whatever. Uh, I still like remember that cat's laugh too. So like when I I, I know I was out in DC one time, I heard somebody laugh in the distance. I said, "That's old boy." I'm not gonna say his <laughs> name, but I like I know that laugh. That's him. That's part of me wanting to just walk down the street like, "What?" It? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So like, but my 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 students were like what 16, 15, 16. I was twenty two, mm-hmm. so our age difference was not that great. That's right. Um, I don't have kids now. A lot of my former students do. So like they they know more about life in certain regards than I do. Cause I ain't I ain't lived mm-hmm. that life yet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 wild, man. It, it, it's wild. So I get it on your own terms because there's a lot to do with in terms of dealing with uh administration. Par- oh yeah. The parents are the parents, you get that. But sometimes the administration can really Yeah, it can drain you. Yeah, <laughs> depending upon what you're I'm doing. Not here. I'm not there now. It, it, teachers do a lot, and when we close school at the end with this pandemic, you got to remember we were just doing the best that we could. And mm-hmm. I had all seniors; they were just going to do enough. Like their whole the whole purpose of senior year for them was gone. No celebrations, no anything. You mm-hmm. know, 
many of them felt many of them felt like there was no reason to even continue but they went on to go to college which is a good thing keep in touch touch with some of them mm -hmm. but it's like in order to to bridge those two corners of my life i actually just started writing um a curriculum to go with my book so it can be taught in schools so like that's one of my ways that i'm trying to bring some of me mm -hmm. back into the classroom to help with like the collective idea of language, language, but also with the ideas that are in the book that can be discussed and talked about in English class, a creative writing class, maybe even in a sociology class. Mm -hmm. but it's not, we don't have enough. I don't think we don't have enough black voices that are included in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would like us to believe it's because they're not available or they haven't been quote unquote vetted, mm -hmm. which drives me crazy. Because a lot of the old antiquated white male literature that is a part of the curriculum is offensive and accepted because these men were men of their times. Mm -hmm. Ernest Hemingway was a raving drunk, mm -hmm. raving drunk and said all sorts of things he shouldn't have said. Mm -hmm. All sorts of things. I mean, just I'm just reading. I'm like, this is not right. Not but, okay. but we want to censor everything of our culture that's relevant mm -hmm. and that's piercing. Don't censor the pain. Don't censor the language. Don't censor the circumstances. It's honest. It's honest. So that's one way I'm trying to do it. Like, you know, on my terms, why not? So how do you take this life experience, this life lived um, in part encapsulated in the book? How do you take this teaching experience and, you know, the, the love for language, love for music, and how do you embody that with It's Writ? First, tell everybody what It's Writ is. So It's, it's Writ is my company. Um, mm -hmm. Writ is actually an acronym for Words Rich in Texture. And it's meant to be like a one-stop communication shop. Um, I'm a t-shirt enthusiast, part of that you know, with the sneakers, urban wear, whatever, is a part of my company. There's a apparel there. There's the literature that I'm writing, the co-curriculum that I'm writing to um, try to reach younger, uh, younger readers and even colleges and universities because, and I, I kind of feel what you said when you're like, I'm not calling myself the greatest. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I want my stuff to be studied in college classes. Why not? Mm -hmm. The stuff that is there, and I went to one of the most not blacks, two of the most not black schools in this country. Mm -hmm. The stuff that is there is not always rich. Mm -hmm. And I want to be a part of that richness. I want to be the sauce on that spaghetti. You hear what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't need just noodles no mm -hmm. more. Um, the the work that I do with students is the part right now that I'm really trying to build out of its writ. Um, big part of what I did with my kids outside of the classroom was help them write their college essays. They're, they have experiences that they don't know how to put into words. Mm -hmm. Some of them have lived lives like that I could never. Mm -hmm. I have never experienced it. I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could have made it, you know? Uh, so that middle part of Miss It's Writ, of that little three-headed sort of monster that it is that middle part is the one i'm really trying to build out now which is to continue to help them with their um college essays i have a method that i use with my kids that worked mm -hmm. um, and then 
the second part of that is actually what I'm doing for a job now, <clears throat> although I'm doing it with another organization. Now I teach, I coach teachers. Mm-hmm. But the way I want to coach them is about being that real human presence in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I tried to be humanly present in that book. That was hard. But it gets results when it's really received. Same thing with teaching. They don't want you to be perfect. They like it when you scuffed up a little bit. They like the storytelling. They like the fact that you give them grace because you give yourself grace. They like the the self-awareness. They like the empathy. They don't know how to name it, but they know when it's absent. And um, I want to teach teachers how to do that in a classroom while still being safe because there's a level of vulnerability that's perfect. And then there's some stuff you don't talk about until you've dealt with. And we have some teachers who are doing a lot in the classroom. Kids like them, but they're not learning. And then we got some teachers that's teaching, but the kids don't like them. So no, they're not learning. And it's about putting those two two pieces together so you can get maximum impact, particularly with kids who grow up in urban settings. Mm -hmm. But they smell BS and call it. Oh, yeah. They don't have to be nice about it either. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 was funny. Like when you had to get your evaluations done, I would look at some <laughs> of my students. They'd be on there, like, so, like, wait, dude, you could do this all the time, and you ain't been doing it because they 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 they, they looking out. They want to make sure, like, Mister Bennett, like, if I, da, 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 I'm like, wait a minute, wait, like, you could do this, and you just choose not. Okay, that's right. But you like me enough that you're not gonna put me out there with this this uh, this this auditor here. Okay, okay. That's right. I see the look. I'll take the alley you, but look, we're gonna have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we have a whole conversation after this. That is what they do. That's how yeah. you know they really mess with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that facts. Facts. <laughs> facts. Because it, it's not always like that at all. No. <laughs> at all. <sighs> so um I wanna I wanna loop back around. Okay. You 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 talk a lot about uh there there's some stuff in there with regards to your father and some uh I just read a poem uh in your book called Prodigal and I was like mm, I don't know what this is saying right here. I don't know if this is like was that You wanna talk about it? Was that consensual? Was it not consensual? Like I'm trying to figure out what's happening. Like I was like <laughs> And one of the reasons I got to sit with this, like, it's like, I wanted to have this, like, I had taken your book with me when I went out of town mm-hmm. in hopes that, like, you know, I could, there's, there, there are two books that I'm reading. It's your book and another book of somebody I met on the improv scene. It's really good as well. Um, and I'm trying, I was like, yeah, if I get a chance to read, but it's just like my life and the way things were going, it's just, I just couldn't. I didn't have energy. I didn't want to, like, you know, I don't want to short myself on the, the reading experience and I didn't also want to show myself on the things that I was contending with. Oh, yeah. So I, I picked your book back up today because it's like I got to get a couple more rings. I got to gotta see what the deal is with this. And I and like one of the ones I read today was Prodigal. And I was like, so there's one. Okay, I'm going to give you dealer's choice. And I, I want you to see, it, it dawned on me at some point, I should start putting flags in this book <laughs> so when i have questions i can ask so i'm gonna have to go back and read all the points before the flags you know what i'm saying and like look i'm i'm over halfway just before like it dawned on me like flags i could i could do that because i didn't want to mark up the book i didn't want to like you know 
scrawl all in it and stuff like that. But there is, there is, hold on, I gotta take my glasses off. Uh, there, there is, there is, um, there, there are two pieces that, that I give you a choice. And well, you're a grown woman, you can choose whatever you want. But um, here it is Farthest Family. Okay. So I was looking at it, I was just like, like, I felt. <laughs> away, I like. I gotta find. So I want to be on the same page. With you. Oh, okay. So page, page, uh, thirty-two. That's farthest family. Okay. Uh, prodigal. And first of all, make a joyful noise. The Jordan Davis one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was yeah. You you got some bars, yo. Uh, but <laughs> page eighty-seven. So okay. I don't know which one you would want to approach. Uh, okay, so but the let me ask you let's look at let's look at, at father's family. So let me ask you this: What's your major question about it? Father's family. About it. Yeah, but I'm gonna start. I don't. I have less of a question with father's family. Okay. Prodigal, when, I, when I when I when I read father's family, it just it struck a chord. Yeah. It struck a chord, no pun intended, now that I think about it. Because <laughs> the way, but like, and the way it was written is just kind of like, it's just like kind of, because I think sometimes people, people who do damaging things tend to look at themselves as the victim, which is wild. Yes. It's a um, quality of a narcissist. No. So, um, I'll start there. I can do both. I can do both in record time. Oh, record so, time. Okay. The record time. So, because father's family for me is uh, went off the whole. I started with the premise of thinking about the term "daddy issues" in approaching uh, dating. Many people, specifically with women who don't have fathers um, or don't know their fathers, don't have good relationships with their fathers. One of the first, I feel like the term "daddy issues" is thrown at them a lot. They mess up. They depend too much on a man. They don't depend enough on a man. Everything's daddy issues, daddy issues, daddy issues. It was a look at the daddy. Because mm -hmm. really, if it is a daddy issue, the daddy is the issue. Mm -hmm. And I think that every parent has the one kid that tests everything in them. And sometimes they fail that test. For me, I believe I was that for my dad. Mm -hmm. He had three. My brother, who I wrote about, who is gone. Mm -hmm. Me, the second one. And there's one that he actually raised. Mm -hmm. Three, who was also a girl. Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of his, I don't, I haven't seen him in a few years mm -hmm. and I don't converse with him, but there was one major conversation that we had and he couldn't really say anything it was like i said you know when guys treated me like crap i thought maybe i deserve it because the guy that gave me 23 chromosomes didn't even want to mess with me for real mm -hmm. and i said that to him and he said that is never never what i meant for you to feel he didn't apologize mm -hmm. he just said that's not how i meant for you to feel mm -hmm. um, and later on like very soon after that because I was trying to start talking to him, he went to jail. Mm -hmm. 
again, he's a recurrent, a repeat offender of that. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's just his thing. Um, but I feel like it was that conversation that pushed him there. Having a face in the real world, in the real world, he is a deadbeat father. He didn't take care of the first girl that he had. We don't have a relationship. He's not happy about it. In prison, he is a star. He's an OG. He can go pour into, oh, young dudes, don't do that in the street. But you in there with them. <laughs> like, why are they listening to you? Mm-hmm. So with Father's Family, it kind of played on the idea of the term father's family, mm-hmm. because I do believe that they are the farthest family that a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. You know, the mama's family knows you in and out. That grandma is often the one that loves on you, knows you, dotes on you. I know mine is. Mm-hmm. My grandma on my mom's side is my best friend. Mm-hmm. My grandma on my father's side is my father's mother. Mm-hmm. That's her. And I feel like nobody has the gumption to have the conversation with, you know, your heart might be a little bit mended. If you just go in and face that you needed her in it. And that's what that poem was about. Mm -hmm. Now, prodigal, that is an interesting one. So let me tell you, first and foremost, that is a true story. Um, And no, sir, it was not consensual. I was abused by someone in the church. I was abused by a person in church who actually baptized me mm-hmm. and called me his daughter. Makes mm-hmm. it even nastier, right? But that was that whole poem was meant to sort of take you in my thoughts about, first of all, the way that we play our part in church. In that poem, I played three different parts. I was the usher, for real, the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. My grandmama made me be an usher when I was little. I'm still mad at her for that. Like, I went to usher school and everything. I had usher to learn school. all the things. They had usher school, Lee. I'm not even lying. You had to go. You had to take classes and be certified. So you were, a, you, you were raised as an actual Catholic then? No, no, no. no I wasn't. Okay. I was in the Baptist church. Okay. Oh, oh wow. Okay. So, like, I, I, I like, I, I okay. I, this, no, this your, I the floor is yours right now. I only went to Catholic school. I was okay. not raised Catholic. My okay. family. Is I thought that might have been some Catholic thing. I was like, I, I, usher school. Okay, all right. No, in in <laughs> in the what is it? I can't remember the name of the organization, but this is Big Baptist Congre- Congress. Like those people like to do stuff right. Mm-hmm. Like you supposed to wear certain gloves. You supposed to do hand signals for you need fans. We need programs. Like it's Lee. It is the biggest casserole of nonsense I have ever been a part of in my life right but in that um in that poem i started as a housekeeper a doorkeeper in the house of the lord which meant i was kind of on the inside and the outside inside the church doors but in the vestibule so out of all the action most of the time when i went you see me in listening to the man standing up there talking about no God, but our God. That's when I stepped through the doors and I started questioning everything that I was hearing. And when the hand actually went up my skirt, that is when I got confirmation that it was all the BS that I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And um, it took me, I think that probably happened when I was about 23 years old. Mm-hmm. And it took me until I was almost or maybe over 30 to tell my mother. Mm-hmm. 
So that, and, and I think that considering what we see in the news about, or worse, what we don't see, the men who are supposed to be jangling the keys to heaven over us and realizing how they use that power to create hell in our lives. I had blamed myself for something that I did not do. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that I was doing. I questioned myself the way most people question victims of abuse. What were you wearing? A damn usher's uniform. That's what I was wearing. That wasn't alluring. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch of people in there with the same clothes I had on. You know, the problem was the man and the power. And so I named it Prodigal because, you know, the whole story of the Prodigal Son, the one who went out and returned, that didn't happen to me until after I went to college because I grew up in that church. Mm -hmm. I came back, things were different. And I think that man of God resented how much I knew about the Bible. He always hated that I went to Catholic school and that I knew the Bible. He used to make little pot shots at me even when I was a a teenager. Mm -hmm. But when I became an adult... I think that's when it got worse. Like I became the target of his, well, his abuse really. And he started asking me about stuff. Oh, do you, did you ever read about Josephus and the mystics and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it was the icing on the cake when I got home and I was really exploring my spirituality. And I wrote this thing about Adam and Eve and, the whole taking of the rib and everything. And I gave it to him. I was like, I want you to see what I wrote. And he actually preached it as if it was his. That was how it really started. And I think when I didn't say anything about that, he felt I can do whatever I want to her. Mm. So it was, it was, it was just something I had to sort of get out there. But I made sure before I put that in the book, I had told my mom about that. Mm-hmm. Cause uh, and I waited so long because I didn't want her to actually go to jail for killing him. You know how mom was off. Mm-hmm. All of that Jesus she had in her would have been oh, put yeah. on her conscience. Yeah. It would have just been over. Yeah. And I, I didn't know how to balance that. But yeah, that poem was about that. And you know what's funny? A, a couple of people who actually bought the book um, that I didn't know on Amazon, but reached out and contacted me, asked me, "Did that really happen to you?" Because it it did happen to me as well. Mm-hmm. Surprised. You know, that so many people have been touched because it, it's, it's some, sometimes people think, well, it's not really a, he didn't full on doing it. A touch from the wrong hand can totally change the way you think about yourself and think about others. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like, like I, I would imagine that would be like a like your ability to trust people in positions of authority and positions oh, yeah. of power that 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 turns everything on its head. And specifically, the power of God. Mm. Like, don't do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's us. So, um, if I might ask, what is your relationship like? How do you contrast your relationship with your your father and your stepfather? How do how how do the two relationships differ? Do they uh, differ? I can't assume that they're, they're yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Like I actually have a relationship with my stepdad. Mm-hmm. My stepdad from the time that he's never called me his stepdaughter. And mm-hmm. I normally don't call him my stepdad just for delineation purposes here. I mm-hmm. did. 
he's always called me his daughter. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't it, the pride that he took when he would put his arm around me and introduce me at his as his daughter was a genuine pride. And I felt like I wasn't able to really walk in that power and that energy until I was older. But I feel like somebody's daughter. The me and my my uh, biological father don't have a relationship like that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even call him anything. Like I know what his name is, but I, I don't feel comfortable calling him by his first name. I don't feel comfortable calling him by his street name. So most of the time when he walks in the room, I just get eye contact with him and I talk to him. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a difference. Mm-hmm. I don't even call that man by name. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know what to call you. Mm-hmm. You're not my dad. But I'm not one of your street dudes. I'm not calling you that. Mm-hmm. Nobody calls you by your given name. So. And that's only when I see him. Uh, I think I've probably seen him in the last 20 years, three or four times. Hasn't been a lot. Um, So, you know, I guess that the big difference is there isn't a relationship. I have to always revisit closure and healing with that situation on my own. He can't give me any words to help with that. My stepdad uh, last year was actually, he had a stroke, which changed everything. Mm -hmm. But even in his slipping, you know, away, when he sees me, he still sees me. Mm -hmm. Still, I'm still his daughter. Mm -hmm. He didn't forget me. I still resonate in there. I don't think I've ever felt like that with my father, mm-hmm. my biological father. So, you know, they're not even close. If you ask me, mm-hmm. they're not even. Okay. What is your relationship uh, with God? Do you have a relationship with God? I'm sure I do. Um, <laughs> it's like, sure. it's, 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 I'm not, you know, it's just like, no, no, that wasn't for you. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I do. Mm-hmm. I just think it's real interesting right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the, 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 I told you I was raised Baptist, not really into that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do pray and I do listen. I just be really hoping somebody up there is listening as well. <laughs> That that artist, the the sensitivity that comes with being an artist sometimes means that you need to feel some of the healing that you're trying to write through. And sometimes it's hard, you know. I, I used to, when I was young, just have what I felt was a desperate relationship with God. Like, just don't hurt me. And I know that's bad. But in a lot of organized churches, it seemed that they were either begging for God to love and recognize them or attributing all of these interesting attributes of man to God, which weirded me out, mm-hmm. you know, um, as I've grown up and developed my own relationship, I had to realize how much presence was in me. I think that's my God is my doing it scared. Like what I said earlier mm-hmm. and understanding that I was made this way for a reason. So I'm not going to curse it and I'm not going to push it away. I'm just going to be it. So that's kind of what it is. I, I, I hope to say it like that. I wish I could be like, and Jesus, but it's, you know, <laughs> it ain't like that with me anymore. 
Not really. Okay. I ain't mad at that. <laughs> I ain't mad at that. So, um, I guess the question now is, what is next for you? Like, what are we what are we looking to next? That that noise right there is what's next because I feel like everything is different now. You know, um, I'm hoping that in 2021 I can better promote this book. I didn't do a great job of it this year. As soon as the world closed, it's hard for me to be in quarantine and working to graduate seniors, trying to make sure my family is taken care of. It, it was just, it was, it was hard. Um, so I'm hoping next year I can start it off well by like actually doing it. I actually want to, let, let's put this in the universe. I actually want to record this book as an audiobook. Oh, that's totally doable. I'm trying. I just I gotta I gotta figure out how to do it. It's not. It's not. We could talk about that offline. The the, the irony for me is, <laughs> I actually have "In Search of Her" recorded as audiobook format. Why did I just learn this? Uh, the reason why you just learned, like, I have "In Search of Her" recorded. The problem is, I was in the process of editing the recordings, and my computer died. Oh god, that's what you meant when you said the computer. So everything's yeah. gone. No, it's not gone. It's like the actual oh. the computer, like the hard drive. I have like several hard drives <laughs> on my computer. computer so yeah. like I'm I'm not I'm not concerned about the work being gone. It's just like the actual machine that I was working on was a Mac. I bought it back in 2009. Uh, it was not cheap. It was three Gs, um, mm -hmm. and. Uh, the 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 comparable one of it now is 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 six Gs and I'm not gonna do that. Oh, for real? Yeah, the the, the wow. current Mac Pro is six Gs. I'm not gonna do that. So I'm, I, I I think I've, <laughs> I, I've I've come up with a more palatable solution, but the problem is because technology and how things change. Like, hmm, Mac just came out with some new stuff and this is kind of like first generation. Do I want to pull the trigger now? Or do I want to get some? I don't like. I don't like to get lesser. Like so, when I when I got like stuff for the podcast to like you know, make the podcast what it would eventually be. I didn't go cheap on the stuff. I like to like get like what I'm gonna get, and like make sure that's a that's a that's a uh, something that pro propels me or inspires me or motivates me to use that equipment. Like I just spent X amount of dollars on this. I cannot use this. They're like yeah, this, this is expensive. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Um, there's a way to do it. It's not difficult. We'll 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 talk offline about what your setup is now, and then like how you can like work towards getting that done. Okay, so that's that's one thing. Okay, um, what, what, what because else? I got back that when I actually recorded some of them and put them online, people were like, "Oh my god, I love to hear these in your voice." Yeah, it's because so. it's different. Like you can read something, but like you know, catching the cadence. There's there's some like I write with a cadence, so like you can read the words like oh, but like when you get the cadence, like, oh, yep, you know what I mean. It's just like oh okay okay, and just like you know it's just it adds something different. Like you can read um, uh, "Born a Crime" by Trevor Noah. Oh yeah, but to I love hear that it in his voice. I listen to just, it. Yeah, it's just oh. it's just like it's it's just something different. You know what I, I mean? Actually book last year my kids loved it. loved it 
also, like I said, putting a little uh, companion curriculum so I can start to talk to kids about it and actually go to my big dream is to go back to both of my very non-black colleges Mm -hmm. and speak with my book in hand Mm -hmm. about the relevance of representation and the everyday moments to not only just black culture, but our collective culture. Mm -hmm. I really want to do that. Um, It's like a dream of mine. So I'm trying to get this curriculum as well done. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine it to be thematic for English classes on one side. And then there's a writing portion of it, like teaching the kids how to write flash narrative poetry in 250 words or less Mm -hmm. intentionality and things like that. Um, those are the big, the big, the big lifts right now. And I did, you already know, I started writing this novel. I'm not going to finish by the end of this month, but I think I'm going to finish that novel. That's what's up. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to finish That's what's up. It. That's what's up. So like scared how? To scared to death. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not uh, easy. Let me tell you, look, let me tell you, I've been, I've been working on this, the same novel for over a decade. It's, it's, you know, and there's a very real part. Part of the problem was initially when I started it, I had all these other ideas that I wanted to work on too, like some of like novels, some of graphic novels, et cetera, et cetera. And trying to work on all these ideas at once, like I didn't feel like I was getting any traction. So I honed in on this one novel, like this is going to be the one that I work on. This is going to be mm-hmm. the one that starts. And for a while, like, man, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And then I copyrighted the material. That's because I needed to have, I, had, I needed to protect my work. And then I looked at how much I had copyrighted. I was like, oh, I, I'm not done nothing. I had hundreds of pages. I didn't realize mm-hmm. it because I never compiled the work together. But when I compiled the work together, I had like 300 pages of actual like story, raw story, like another hundred or so pages of like notes and background data. And it's, oh, I'm going to read this now. Now I'm going to read it. When I tell you the story is fire, it's fire. But the problem is, is I, I still have so much more to do to get it to where it needs to be. Cause I have an idea of what it's supposed to be. I like that idea is, is concrete. The beautiful thing is certain decisions that I had made so long ago have evolved and changed. And I, I'm thankful for that. If I had done it and I had done it in a time that I thought it should have been done, as I've grown as a person and a human being, I would have like, uh, I wish I had not done it like that, or I wish I had mm-hmm. thought of or considered this. So I'm I'm now in a space where it's going to happen when it's going to happen. My 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 only concern is I want to be able to finish it. I would I would be an unhappy spirit if I was to leave this place, leave this plane of existence, not having finished that book. Uh, it, it's that important to me, and I think it's. I, I think it can be something really great if I if I finish it, which I believe I will. I can't so, wait. I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting. I can't wait, but Got I'm it. waiting. Got it. <laughs> I'm I'm very interested to see what you come up with, though. Uh, oh yeah, man. Yeah. And, well, any any any. How is is it is it fiction or nonfiction? It's going well. You know what's interesting? A bit of both. <laughs> Yeah, a, a little bit of semi autobiographical, perhaps. Yeah, kinda. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's, it's kind of there, and it, it's 
what I've written so far, I looked at it, and I think maybe that's what it is. I think I've read it and I'm overwhelmed because mm. I'm like, oh, shh. Like mm. it kind of has, for me, I wanted to have the texture and the grace of like the color purple. Ooh. The color purple, the way that Celie's point of view was the point of view, and you saw all of the relationships, the interconnectivity and everything through her. Mm-hmm. And it was a real voice with real situations. And she brought to light so many different levels of love and loss. Mm-hmm. But you just couldn't stop. And by the way, I have two copies of The Color Purple, but they also just released a, um, the audiobook of The Color Purple with Samira Wiley reading it. Mm, interesting. Okay. I can't. I've read it. I, cr- I cried listening to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, damn. Like, it's like... It hit me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I want, I want that Alice Walker texture. I want to create the world, you know, led by a, a good speaker mm-hmm. telling her story. But I want it to be real relevant to the time that we're in. Mm-hmm. And I want it to have all of the love that's not as talked about. But you know, it's it's so. I think it's just heavy on me right now, Lee. Like I read it, I read it through, and I read a chapter, and it could be just because I'm too close to it. But I felt something, mm-hmm. and, I was like, and that's why I'm having a hard time finishing. It's too heavy for me right now. Mm. Mm. I need, I'm okay. trying to get myself away this from might, it. This might be the time you need to be bold. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. Look, you looked away when I said that. Okay. <laughs> You looked away when I said that. Interesting. Okay. It's heavy on me, but I'm like, I'm gonna get through it. Yeah. I'm gonna get yeah. We well, gotta. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta listen to your inner spirit and like you know trust yourself. If there's something telling you that you need to pause, to honor that. You know what I'm saying? There's there's no need to 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 rush through the process or whatever, especially because mm-hmm. this is your first one. Like sometimes you have to. There have been times where I just like, you know, I, I sat down and I wanted to write something. I have like a full picture in my mind of like, this is what's happening. And like, this is how it's going to be. And I get down in front of the keyboard and I look at the screen and everything just out of my brain. Like, I like got nothing. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? And it's like, I know, like, like I had this story. Like the only person who knows anything about this book that I've been working on for over 10 years is my cousin Shay. The the way this this novel even started for me was I was um I had come up with um an animated uh cartoon. I I'd written a script for like the first episode and then I came up with the second episode and like I have something here. This is like really dope. I slide it to if you want to read it. Uh and I wrote it. I mean, I read it, and I was like, "Yo, this this shit is dope." Like I was like, "But I think for me, I was like, I have to know how we got here." Because one of the biggest things that gets me when I when I look at things that are science fiction, one of the reasons why I don't like horror movies like that, a lot mm-hmm. of times the why of it is just so just like, "Come on, man, that's the best you can come up with." Like, like I got I invested myself, and this is you know, so like I came up with a backstory. I had to come up with this backstory. The backstory mm-hmm. became this novel. Cause like I was oh. telling, I was telling my 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 cousin, I was like, Yeah, so I had this idea. And I literally talked her through the idea. This is a Cliff's Notes version that I talked her through. And in talking through the idea, it was an hour long. And she was like this, like, like her, like she was leaning, leaning in, mouth open, like 
And I said, I said, no, as I tell this to you, I think if she said a book, we said a book at the same time. I said, yeah, I think this is a book. I had like everything was in my mind. It's like it was like, you know, I was just like this first time I'd ever talked it out to anybody and never like shared it with anybody. I haven't shared it with anybody since. Nobody knows any of the kids. She's the only one who's her character names and stuff like that. That's it. Only person because I'm very like guarded with stuff if I'm, if I'm still working on it. When I tell you the level of changes that have happened since that thing happened, and again, I had everything was clear, but there's some things that had to. One of the things that I realized was I gave her the story from like, you know, the nuts and bolts of like what happens. But then I realized that I have to have other people to make the story move along. Mm-hmm. So I had to start like, you know, this, this, this story for me happens in a village and this village has to have other people other than these characters that I told my cousin about. Mm-hmm. Other characters have to be there to help them. They can't just leave me walking around. The only people you see in this village that's supposed to be like this, this particular thing. It can't be just them. It's got to be other people. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, and then, then I started doing like, oh, well shit. Like, like some of these characters, you, you, you go back like three generations, four generations with these characters. So, you know, like there's this one character is like, you know, this character's parents, their grandparents, and sometimes their progeny. You know, it becomes it becomes a whole thing, and then you get realize you like you start you have to create some characters. Maybe this character dies. Like, dang it, I just got attached to this character. It's gonna be hard to kill somebody created. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, there's so many different things that happen in the process of creating that I had not considered because I had never written a novel before. So it's a lot. So mm-hmm. if you feel as though you need to take a pause because it's heavy on you. That pause might be giving you the space to have another realization about what you're writing. Have another, like, you know, take or another perspective. Like if you just turn like this, this, this picture by one degree is a whole different picture. So I would say honor that. Don't feel like you have to rush through like people who can write a book in 30 days. I take my hat off to them. That's, you know, right now that ain't me. I'm not saying I'm not capable. But right now, that ain't me. Mm-hmm. I, I can give you, I can give you a dope short story, like you know, like, like that has a beginning, middle, and end. I can give you that in 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 a couple hours, like seven hundred fifty to a thousand words. When you just read it, like, oh, yo, that's crazy. I could do that. But like doing a novel, yeah, <sighs> that's the, it's, it's a lot. It's a sustained like writing poetry is so finite. Writing a song or some bars, it's finite. A novel, mm-hmm. it's a whole different bear. So I don't know how, I don't know how, uh, was James Patterson? That mm-hmm. cat got a new book every like month, it feels like. He's like the prince of like, <laughs> like <laughs> literature, man. He stay coming out with stuff. I don't know how he does it. He ain't doing nothing else. Yeah, well, that's his, that's his, that's his walk. And I think that is something to be you know, like once you're like he has a routine. Like I've I've heard I've read his routine. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He gets up, he does a walk around his estate, he'll eat a breakfast, you know what I'm saying? And he'll write for like, you know, three hours and he'll come back, write another three hours, something like that. I might be confi- confusing him with um Stephen King. Not Stephen King. Stephen King's paralyzed, I think still. I'm thinking um Black Dude, um Easy Rollins, Walter Mosley. I've read his 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 pattern too. I think Walter Mosley uh sits down and he writes for like like five or six hours. Even if he don't have anything, he just he has a block of time with that. He's something gotta come out. 
in five or six hours. I, I need that. I need that kind of life. I need the life to just be a writer. I can't afford it, but I need it. High five. <laughs> Pap. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I'm trying to get to that space where I could just be a creative. Like, I would be a dangerous individual. If I could just like, hey, this is what I want to do and just do it. I just I just need a little bit of wiggle room. I'm, I'm you know, it, you know, but it's it's it's. It's the constant repetition of like, you know, living life and then chipping away at what we can. So like, why are you doing it? Continue to work on this novel. Allow yourself the space while you're doing it. You know, I actually have um, somebody I interviewed um, on this podcast. Her name is Cerise Rennie Murphy. She's uh, she's a full-time author. Uh, Mm. And she's like super dope to talk to. And she has a whole process of how she writes, whatever. I strongly like would encourage you to listen to that particular podcast. It's worth it's it's one of my favorite like uh interviews because she's where I ideally would like to be. And she's just breaking down how she did it. And it makes sense for her. It makes sense to me. I'm just not I'm just not in that space yet. But like, okay, mm-hmm. I see what you're talking about. And I can tell that this is doable because you're doing it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I I I encourage you, and all these pursuits. Uh, <sighs> this this is also one of the longest like sessions I've had. Uh, I'm gonna have to trim this bad boy down, but I will I'm say, my bad. No, no, it's not. No, no. This is this is the conversation. This is the conversation. When you're having a conversation, you know things happen. Um, so I want to say um, we we'll probably have to bring you back. This is just an excuse for me to say, hey, we need to bring you back. Um, that being the case, I need to uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for sharing your time. There's so many other questions I wanted to ask you because you got like so much in that damn book, man. <laughs> got so much in that book. So I, I, some questions will have to be asked offline. Um, but uh, I want to thank you for taking the time out to sit with me. It took a while to get you here, but I'm so glad that you that you finally you finally uh you found we finally found time actually to to make it happen because I actually had to re- reschedule the last time. <laughs> so I'm I'm just no super, thank yeah. you. I appreciate you. Uh yeah, likewise. And um, damn, I, I was hoping to talk more about hip hop on this podcast too, but uh, that's offline too. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I want to say thank you again to the, uh, in my book, incomparable Miss Tiana Bruce. Again, my name is Lee Ben III, a.k.a. Da Vinci Parks. And this is the I Am series on Flash Black Radio. If you want to check us out, you can always listen to us on www.flashblackradio.com. We're on your many of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, be it uh, podcasts for Apple, be it Spotify, Stitcher, etc., etc. If you want to follow us on social media, there's the Flashback Radio on IG and Twitter. Also on the Facebook groups, you can check out Flashback. Uh, we're on uh, both a page and a group, and we have Flashback News, which is on Twitter. Uh, if you want to find out what's going on in this country, in this world, or we want to just get some historical facts about what's going on with the know the greatness that is you know black excellence and all that good stuff but until next time again i am da vinci parks aka lee bennett the third i'm going to invite y'all to come back often uh until next time stay blessed stay woke one
This podcast was created exclusively for Flash Black Radio, a subsidiary of Indira LLC. This podcast was produced and edited by Lee Bennett III. And the super dope intro and outro music is provided by Willis Miles Jr. of OJ Miles Music. You can check him out on SoundCloud.